right. Grant, great to have you back. Rabbit, welcome in. Thanks, bud. Uh, great to have you both here. Yeah. Uh, definitely going to be covering a very interesting topic today. Um, what is a biblical marriage? Uh, is probably going to be the key focus for this. And going off of just some of what we covered in the previous uh, episode on singleness, it seems to be that there are a lot of pros and cons to either side. Uh, would you agree? Rabbit, you can take this uh, one. <laughs> yeah, no I, no, I mean, yeah, there definitely are pros and cons. It, um, I mean, Paul breaks down a lot um, as far as it's better to not burn with lust, um, but also for everyone that's going to listen, singleness is also a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, he even goes into saying that um, it's it's better for a man not to marry if he can, because it, it won't there won't be a quote unquote hindrance to your ministry. Um, now I can also attest um, for myself that my wife has been a tremendous, uh, you know, big part of my ministry, and and uh, yeah, I, I mean I couldn't have done half the stuff without her. So yeah, there there are definitely key key points to both arguments. Yeah, 100%. And that was like, that was one thing that kind of went unmentioned in the last episode too, is like, hey, it's okay to desire marriage. Like, I know we talked about that and we covered it, but I don't think it was emphasized enough. And if I could go back and do it all over again, I would have emphasized that point. It's like, it's important to be honest for those of us who do desire marriage, because um, I watched a clip from Matt Chandler. He's like, what happens when you got a bunch of liars running around? You're like, oh yeah, I'm content. Now, where is he? You know, like, where's my husband? Where's my wife? It, it just, it gets really messy. So yes. Yeah, so. Well, and that's, I mean, <laughs> Proverbs 18 is he who finds a good wife finds a good thing. Uh-huh. Obtains favor from the Lord. So exactly. So it's, it's all, it's all good though. Paul has other things to say, of course. Yeah, no, 100%. He's like, nah, <laughs> marriage, never heard of it. There's so much uh, controversy, too, mm-hmm. in how non-Christians also view what the Bible says about marriage, because there are a lot of verses in the Bible and passages that dictate that uh, like a man is to be the head of the woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess my first question to pose to you guys is like, what does it mean when the ma- when the Bible says that the man is supposed to be the head of the woman? I mean, there's there's a there's a giant aspect to it in which the idea of man and woman becoming husband and wife, the two becoming one flesh, is a representation of Christ in the church, and just as he Christ is the is the groom and we are the bridegroom. And he is, he is the head over us. Um, and so we've entered into this covenant with the Lord when we become his people. And it's the same way that we enter into a covenant when we marry our wives. Um, and it's a, it's a beautiful picture. It's, it's God was so intentional when he, uh, when he established the way that he reacts with Israel. Uh, we were we were reading Hosea in Bible study a couple weeks ago, and we see um, Gomer playing the harlot, and yet God continued to have Hosea stay with her. Um, and then there would be, and, and it's a relationship that you see kind of fleshed out between the Israelites and God himself. They, they move away. He 
he allows them to go away. He 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 disciplines. He does he does all of these things with the purpose of reconciliation, obviously. But the the vision that we get in the New Testament with Christ and the church is a perfect representation of what it should look like with man and woman. It, it, there should be the the problem I think that people run into is that they don't like the word submit. That the, the wives submit to your husbands. And it says, and husbands love your wives. So this is not just a, a overlord, overseer, you know, he comes down with the ban hammer. Like that's not the that's not the way that it works. It is it is such a cohesive, equal unit partnership, and yet the the husband gets to be a bit of a covering for his wife. It's a it's a glorious thing. It's not something to be detested. Go ahead, Grant. Yeah, it's not something to be abused either. I think I think when people hear, oh, the husband is the head of the wife, and especially like when you get to First Peter, it's like uh, the husband being o- over like the woman. It, it describes the woman as the weaker vessel, right? Very unpopular text for very obvious reasons. But then immediately Grace. afterwards, I got to find it. Yeah, it's 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 like husbands do the same thing. And be considerate to, towards your wife. Treat them with honor and show show them honor as that weaker vessel. And so the other part is when you have the dynamic of marriage and the husband as the head over the wife, like that's hard to navigate because why? Like what's the reason? Obviously we can say, yeah, it's a representation of Christ in the church, but as for a reason... I don't know that I've found one that would be satisfactory to someone who is either not a Christian or who is a Christian who's unwilling to submit. And I think that's a point you were kind of getting at too, Rabbit. Yeah, no, and I'm not, I mean, there are definitely reasons. Um, But I mean, I think the biggest reason is that this is simply the way that God established things. This is the Mm -hmm. structure that he set up for not only his people, but also for the family unit. God knows the way that things will go well. Yeah. Like he, and that's why it's, you know, we can, we can even dive into different things, you know, when you have a broken family unit, Mm. And, it, and things typically don't go as well. It's it's a hardship, not only on the spouses that split, but also on the children. Like, it's God put these things, he set these things up for our good. Mm-hmm. So it, it's all it does is it's, it's, beho- it's behoove of us to... <laughs> uh, to, to, submit, to, to, to submit to submitting to each other. Right. And the other part, too, is it's very easy. I, I think this is what most people are thinking. There's like, here's three dudes talking about why their wives need to submit to them. I, I hear where you're coming from. Um, but I don't think of myself as over anybody. And especially if I were to enter into a relationship, I, that wouldn't change. I think right. the... Uh, I think you could definitely attest to that, too, Rabbit. Um, sure. I think the other part, too, is that you're you should be picking a wise husband someone who can lead you well in a marriage like um, it's gonna be hard either way to to submit like or let, let me say it a different way it's going to be hard to submit it's gonna be even harder to submit to someone who is not wise in the lord or is not walking with the lord which is why we eventually end up over in I think first or second Corinthians. First, Cor- yeah. first Corinthians seven. Ex- right. Exactly, where it's like, do not be unequally yoked, or that's that's sec- second Corinthians six. 
Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. First Corinthians seven is all about singleness. I'm, I'm, I've had enough of that chapter for right now. <laughs> well, no, it does. It it does go into right. talking about you know like if if if. Uh, <laughs> On, uh, if one spouse, you know, doesn't know the Lord and they want to leave, you know, that kind of thing, and which was a yeah. question that you would pose to me the other day. Mm, um, yep. So it definitely does kind of get into that a little bit, right. um, you know, as far as the, the responsibility that we have to our partner and to what extent, um, which is a conversation we can definitely have if you guys want to. Mm-hmm. So uh, I feel like also a lot of that whole, like, the head of the woman I found a phrase, or more so, it was a concept called federal headship. Yeah. Um, meaning that the male figure is one who like represents the family and the descent and his descendants. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that fits a lot into the entirety of the Bible because what was it? Uh, isn't it Matthew that starts off with? This is so and so, the father, the son of so. The genealogy, the father, yeah. Matthew. <laughs> it starts with an entire genealogy. Right. It's the entire first chapter is just a genealogy of uh, a bunch of people, and it starts. It's always referencing. Well, I, and the purpose of that one is so that I, I forget what verse. It's like verse sixteen or something like that. Um, that eventually, it, it, the purpose of the whole genealogy is to bring us through God's kind of federal headship, the structure that He's established, His kingdom, the history of of eventually bringing out the Messiah. Um, is it highlights itself in, and then Christ. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's it's a beautiful story. We can so simply skip those genealogies yeah. and not even not even interpret it the way or see the usage of it and even what you're saying, David. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's great. It, God God has His ways and just in His meaning for all of these things. I think more importantly for specifically what David was talking about too is that the Bible is a very androcentric text. It's it's male-centered, it's male-focused, lots of male language as the default pronoun. It's like his mm-hmm. this, he, him, whatever. It, it, it's always, or almost always, male when referring to a larger group of people. So, you know, that's that's probably... I don't know where the root of that is, right? We've got like two issues. Why is it just father and why do they just focus on male? I don't know where the root of that is, where it connects and where, you know, we can trace that back, why that is the way it is. It's just like, I don't know, ancient people thought that way. Another one, another key verse that kind of stuck out to me a little bit that I feel also kind of fits in with this thing is that in partway through um, First Corinthians eleven, uh, starting around seven, they're talking. They're talking about the head covering. Oh. It says that a man should not cover his head because he's the image and glory of God. But so too, woman is the glory of man. <laughs> I love that we're going here because this conversation is wild. But uh, <laughs> Rabbit, I want to hear your thoughts first. Um, you know what's really interesting is so my parents are very conservative, hmm. um, and my mom actually called me. Um, within the last three weeks and she was talking about you know head coverings <laughs> and if and she has a conviction no i'm not saying i agree with the conviction um at this point that she thinks that she should wear some kind of covering over her head hmm. um now there does have to be some cultural significance red um I'm not saying that it doesn't exist today. I'm not saying I would never tell someone not to do so. I don't know if it's necessary to do so. Um, but 
again, that's goes back to what I was saying about you know the woman having having a covering. The covering not only could exist as in a literal form of her head, but also in in the way that God established the family unit, that the husband is he is he is the covering as Christ is the covering for all of us. So it's it's again it's not it, this this family order should not be something that is looked down upon. Mm-hmm. It's something that God established for our good. Yeah. Which I, I don't know why I can I can hear so many listeners going like easier for you to say you male, <laughs> or like well um, <laughs> you know I I get yeah I, that definitely could be but I mean mm-hmm. even like saying that he's your covering isn't a bad thing right like it, it it's it's a loving fifty uh, it's it, even it doesn't even take away from the relationship being fifty fifty. Mm-hmm. That's not what the Bible is saying. Mm-hmm. He's not saying, in fact, he says, be equally yoked. Now, yep. that might be reading into that verse a little bit. <laughs> but but if any, but if anything, it's, they are your, even in Genesis, it says, I'm going to create you a helper. Mm-hmm. And it's not like a helper as in like, you know, the, the assistant You're manager. a slave. Okay. You know, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's, that's, not, that's not what's being portrayed there. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, it's companionship. It is. It is. It's a hundred percent. Yeah. I, I think the, the short answer on head coverings, I mean, we could go so far in detail on this, but like from what I've learned, it's just like, yeah, it is kind of a, a cultural thing. Um, like one, one of the most fascinating interpretations I've heard of it. And this is, it's kind of where I stand, but it's awkward because the way you get there is by using the book of Enoch, which contains heresy. But it was a highly influential book in Jewish culture, see reference Jude, I think may even quote it a couple times, if not word for word. Um, so that's that's a fascinating conversation, but like, there's this stigma around angels, and we see that even in Genesis 6, that like, oh, angels are bad or whatever. Not all angels, of course. Not Hashtag not all angels, my, my professor used to always say. Um, but there's there's a lot of thought around angels especially influenced by the book of enoch specifically the first part of it the book of the watchers that says like oh the angels were the ones who brought evil here here we have in first corinthians 11 these women who are prophesying and praying in angelic languages in tongues therefore paul could be could be worried about like the heavenly realms opening and letting the angels back in and doing things with women just like they did at that time they brought evil you know so paul paul might be concerned about that dynamic but you know long story short that and that also might explain why we have the quote in that very weird line because of the angels it's just this is just a possible interpretation i'm not saying it's the for sure interpretation but it does fascinate me and it, it kind of points further towards it being a cultural and situational prescription from Paul. That's like, hey, y'all might be opening the divine barrier, and I don't want you to be unsafe when you do that, so wear a head covering. Another one that uh, that I remember seeing was in Proverbs 31.10. Uh, uh, it talks about, it gives, that, that verse alone just kind of gives how precious... And I th- a thought too of marriage is well, and and how and how glorious it is to find a worthy wife. Exactly. Yeah. Because uh, it compares her worth to above rubies. Yeah. And the heart of her husband's safety trusts in her. It's, and I just think it's it like you're right. It, the Bible mentions everything from 
very much of a man, like of a male perspective in that sense of uh, what you were saying earlier, Grant. But it goes to show that it doesn't, because it is giving so much attention to the male side of that, it doesn't undervalue uh, the the female in the, the female role in the Bible. Absolutely. I, I like to believe that there's a lot of complementary language as opposed to egalitarian language. It's, it's like, here are these roles that were made for individually, man and woman, do those things, and like, don't, don't question why. It's just like, I mean, you're allowed to, of course, but like, that wasn't the best way to say it. It's like, here are these roles that were made for man and woman, do them, they are good, and they give you value. It's like, I, there's the only place you can see any inkling of devaluing of the woman is probably in that verse with First Peter that says to show, to show them honor as the weaker vessel. But even there, it's like, husbands show honor anyway. Like, I think there's, there's a lot of value in women, and there's a lot of instruction for husbands not to mistreat their wives. I, I, 100%. I can understand why someone makes the argument that, uh, that the Bible says whatever about women, but I'm just like, Nah, bro. And anyone that sees it that way, I would encourage to to reconsider. It's like we're not called to be abusive. Well, and not only not only that. I mean, I'd, I'd have to do more study, which I didn't for this right. uh, about what exactly is being said about the weaker vessel, or mm-hmm. that you know what what the what you know what's the wording there? Because when you you know David brought up Proverbs thirty one, because what we see in in the woman in Proverbs thirty one um, is is a woman that is doing so much like it is it's she's unbelievable yeah she gets up while it's still night she provides food for her family and portions for her female servants she considers a field and buys it out of her earnings she plants a vineyard she sets about her work vigorously her arms are strong for her tasks and it goes on and is such a beautiful passage and and i'm not saying that all women are always going to you know, rise to this kind of um, elevation or kind of thing. But if if nothing else, it does give us something to shoot for. It gives us, it gives us, you know, for men that are looking for a wife and for uh, for for women that are looking for a husband. You know, the Bible does give us reference points here and there to go. Okay, this is who I'm looking for. This I, I'm I'm looking for these characteristics. I want I want the Holy Spirit to be doing this in their lives. That kind of thing, and, and and Proverbs 31 does anything but devalue a woman. Like it is the opposite. And that's kind of why I had brought it in. I know I had only mentioned the one specific verse, but yeah, ex- exactly the whole. Yeah, it, the, yeah. The Proverbs 31:10 and through the end of the book is is phenomenal. It's it's like it's like it makes up for or attempts to make up for like the lack of mention of how valuable a woman is in a man's life or a woman can be in a man's life. Yeah. I can see it that way. Kind of going back to that original question of the man being the head of the woman, uh, a question that I saw frequently asked with what I was looking through was 
Is there ever an actual marriage between Adam and Eve in the Bible? <laughs> and so I looked through uh, first, uh, first Genesis, or Genesis 1. <laughs> there's two Genesis? Well, actually, fun fact, technically, <laughs> technically, I think there's three creation accounts. Or at least there's, there's definitely okay. two that are combined into one via Jesus, hence why they are combined in the Old Testament. Fascinating. Totally unrelated, though. Go on. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it mentions in 27, so God created man in his own image, and he created him in the image of God. He created the male and female. Uh, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Uh, and then it goes on to say, Rule the fish, sea, birds, sky, creatures. Um, but that first part of 28, it says God blessed them. Could that? I, th I think that's the marriage that we're talking <laughs> about. I was, yeah. was going to say, does that, do you guys sound like that's the quote-unquote unofficial I, marriage? I, I mean, I don't think a pastor was showing up and that there were a bunch of witnesses to the side and they had to sign <laughs> something to stand in the state. So. Right. <laughs> the marriage certificate just has like a bear print on the bottom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because like there's, yeah, I, I, I'm... I would be one to agree that, yeah, there is a union there of some kind. How it happens, I don't know, but it's definitely not. There is an assumption made. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's, it's a big assumption. It even says, like, there, there's a, is it Genesis 2? It says, like, that Adam looked around at all the animals, and he's like, yeah, this ain't gonna work. <laughs> Uh, and then that's when God was like, okay, well, then I'm going to make you a, I'm going to make said, you a have helper. woman. So, yeah, 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 exactly. So it's funny that you mentioned Genesis too, because that's when he says that it's like, he's, it's, it's quoted. It's saying, God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yep. Which is, which is also attesting more to the value of woman. It doesn't devalue the woman. It's like, yo, woman was made for man. Like this, this was made because the animals, mm -mm, they didn't cut it. It's like women, far, far better for man, you know? So, companionship. There's so much value in women. And that that was that was, that was was cool because coming up with these questions has given me, like, oh, uh, given me more of a better reason to just deep dive mm -hmm. into uh, some of the Older Testament books that... I have not given the attention they deserve. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a big thing I enjoyed about being on the podcast last time and, and why I want to keep coming back is because I've just been diving into scripture harder than I ever have before. Like I have, a, I have a reason, not saying I didn't before, but I have a stronger reason to dive into scripture because there becomes like more of a responsibility and I'm like, I want to accurately convey these things. And you know, be knowledgeable and and spread that wisdom in a way that is as accurate as possible. So you know, especially when talking about subjects such as yeah. these, accuracy and context, and also empathy, and being able to pin that stuff. You, you know, like, yes, being able to pin that stuff down is very uh -huh. important. And, and perspective as well. Like you know, trying not to neglect any perspective, knowing that you know we very well, very well might do that. So. Um, try, trying to hit all bases, cover all bases, but knowing that we'll fail. And that's part of what is just a small sliver of what is great about the Bible is that you can keep going back for more because you're never going to get it all the first time. Yeah, that's true. It's like every time you go back, there's always something you can take from it. Yep. Another segment, I know we're kind of hopping all over the place mm. here scripture-wise, um, 
Matthew 19, uh, in th 3 to 5, uh, I'll quote CSB. Some Pharisees approached to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife on any grounds? Have you read? He replied, that's not the part I was quoting, but, uh, that he, that he who created them in the beginning made them male and female, and he also said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be joined with his wife, that the two will become one flesh. It sounds to me, just specifically to me, is that this is falling under that category of being fruitful and multiplying. It's, uh, you are a man leaving your family and a woman leaving her family to create your own family. And when I say leave, it's not necessarily meaning abandoning, but it's you are taking that step in your own direction, starting what your parents did, kind of following in their footsteps. Which, between that and what I read in Genesis, is it a bad thing if a Christian couple chooses not to have kids? Uh, you'd get you'd get pushback from different sides. Yeah, I was sure. gonna say you could come at this from a multitude um, of angles. Yeah, for a very long time, uh, the Catholic Church actually thought it was wrong for um, yeah, I'm, is it? I'm just gonna say it for even uh, to use any kind of contraception. Mm. Okay. Um, and that that was somehow limiting what God wanted to do. Um, I don't think that that's the case. Um, I think that God's going to bring about his purpose regardless um, of what someone's wearing or inserted into their body. Um, so I don't think that it is sinful to not have children, but the Bible also makes it very, very clear that children are a tremendous blessing. Yeah. So I would certainly encourage people, if you have that want and desire, God has that desire for you. Mm -hmm. But also, also to the people that can't have children, mm. doesn't make you any less valuable, um, anything like that. There are also plenty of uh, kids that need adopted. Um, yeah. So you're not, uh, I know that lots of women desire to have, to be able to bore their own children. And obviously we even have the example of Sarah. Um, so you're not stuck. Um, and God has maybe a different purpose for you. So yeah, it's like this is just how I think about it. It's not maybe it's not scriptural, but like philosophically, why would God say, yeah, it's sinful if you get married and not have kids and then create something like infertility and just be like lock you into a position of constant sinning that you can't do anything about? Like it seems like they're well. I mean, the issue would be then that is is infertility sinful? And, right. And it's not. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's that's what it's, I'm saying. Like, if yeah, it was yeah. sinful, then why why right, would God right, like intentionally right, yeah. lock you into a lifestyle of constant sinning? You know. Right. It's a result of sin being right, in the world, of course. But it's not any as as much as you know weeds that grow and i hate to use that example because that's that's it's a crude mm -hmm. example but you know it's it was not the design of god yeah. it but it's no, of no fault of the person that may be infertile yeah. and again so, this is like my my philosophical question you know like we don't we don't and believe well, and that see, infertility is a sin of of course and i mean it, the thing that we that we often skip over about god is that he is so in tune with all of our circumstances mm -hmm. individually yep. 
Like we should, we don't, we don't have to concern ourselves too much with a God that is just kind of like lofty out there. No, He is intimate with us in in exactly where we're at. Yep. He knows all of our struggles. He can, He can, He's Jesus has literally been in our shoes. He has walked the earth. He's the perfect advocate, and so He identifies with us in all of our struggles, our wants, desires, all those kind of things. He's been in so, my Nikes, and that includes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, to a degree, to a degree, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you think Jesus got yeah. them Jerusalem twelves? I swear. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Just wash the de- yeah, wash the dirt from your feet afterwards. But yeah, no. But you all know which I, you guys yeah. know what I mean. So right. I guess it's time to kind of dive into like the the nitty gritty, for lack of a better term, of like how should a Christian choose a spouse? Like, is there certain, or like, are there biblical like guidelines? Like, I know they've talked about the unequally yoked, um, but I guess for lack of a better term, is there like a biblical quote unquote like checklist of like does this person meet these? standards biblically I mean I think that there's really only one giant standard is that she loves Jesus or he loves Jesus for the women out there right. can't um, forget about the ladies uh, it, right exactly don't want to <laughs> androcentrism um, yeah I mean but outside of that I don't I don't see anything like direct like that some like somehow disqualifies someone um, now we could get into the divorce and remarriage thing, um, but you know, outside of that, I don't see, I don't really see any like absolute guidelines other than that, that they love the Lord and you know that they kind of meet what you were looking for in a spouse. And I think that that's fine for you to have, you know, your own kind of I guess quote unquote standards and and whatnot and yeah. I think it's okay. I don't hit finish. No, 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 that was it. I think it's okay to have your own wants in in a partner and what you're looking for. Right. But I think then that's what yeah, I was I think say. there comes yeah. a point though where those become unbiblical, unhealthy, and potentially idolatrous that you're looking for those things more than these quote-unquote biblical guidelines that we have. I think you're right where the minimum is that they... It could, for yeah, sure. Like, the minimum yeah. should be that they love the Lord and that they're willing to follow, and you see fruit in their life from being a follower of Jesus. I think if they don't have that, like, that should be a massive red flag. In fact, a deal breaker for you. It's like, godly men pursue godly women. Godly women pursue godly men. That's the goal. It's also okay to be picky. It's it's okay. It's okay that like you obviously you want to be attracted to the person like like a lot of a lot of people in the Christian realm would even be like well like you know man looks at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart and be like yeah well I'm also man mm-hmm. like it is 100 you want you want to be attracted to your spouse yeah um, I'm not saying that that should be the overall like that's the main <laughs> thing if I'm not attracted to her then it's it's Don't you know <laughs> but I, I don't know about you guys but. When I when I meet a woman and when I met my wife, and she was beautiful, like outward wise, she still is. But what I love the most was her heart. And and when you get to know a woman, in in a 
in a spiritual way and you get to know her her heart for the Lord, boy, I'll tell you, she will look so much more desirable to you mm-hmm. because it's, it's, that's what the Bible screams for us to enjoy. Yeah. And that, that's, that, that's, that's really the heart. The heart of a good mate is the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not that we, not that we can't, you know, again, looking, look for man-made standards <laughs> in some way, shape or form, but right. Yeah, I guess I guess what I was trying to say is that we shouldn't let the things like we shouldn't let our personal non-negotiables get in the way of what makes someone godly. Like if my non-negotiable was, oh, I want someone who is musical and enjoys music like come on, you can make that sacrifice if she's a godly woman. If she's not musically gifted, you can like you can make that sacrifice. Um, I guess some non-negotiables, my, my church did a discussion on this last semester, or perhaps earlier this semester, and some non-negotiables I heard were things like this. Um, do they love the Lord? You know, this is someone who should love the Lord, should pursue Jesus. Um, one personally for me was that, you know, they want to start a family. Like we were talking about earlier, it's like kids are a gift. They're a beautiful thing. Um, one thing is like, are they passionate about their own goals? This is personal, a personal non-negotiable. Um, one thing that's probably biblical is that she isn't seductive. You know, she's not someone who's going to tempt you into lustful thoughts all the time. And that's a complicated conversation of like, oh, can I lust after my wife? There, there probably is a line in there somewhere. Um, you know, does she dress modest, modestly? Like, is she, is she faithful to you? Um, for, for men, you know, do you want, are are you willing to make the sacrifices for that woman that is necessary in order to have a good marriage and a healthy marriage? Are you willing to put every ounce of your being, maybe not, you know, we're hyperbolizing here. Are you, are you willing to do that so that she can become all that God has called her to be? You know, these, these are just some things that we should be looking for. Um, you know, do they have lots of godly friends? Um, do they have a heart for the lost? Do they take care of themselves? Do they have a healthy relationship with themselves, the people around them of both sexes, right? I said in the last episode, contrary to popular belief, you can have platonic relationships with the opposite sex. It's possible. Um, so yeah. You can. I would caution a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, sure. of course. There's there's definitely discernment that must be used there. Um, and, like, yeah. do people speak highly of them? Like, does, you know, you don't want to be going out with somebody who, like, everyone is like, Ugh, you know, I wouldn't. You Like, use the wisdom of your brothers and sisters around you. You know, ask them. What would you look for? Don't just listen to us. We're just, we're on a podcast. Anyway. <laughs> well, and a lot of what you're saying falls underneath that umbrella of do they love Jesus? Yeah. Like that's it's it's going to be an overflow of the heart that is going to give them a heart for the lost. Yeah. It's going to you know that there's that there is a natural attraction, not a, not like a sexual mm-hmm. one from other people, but that they like that people want to be yeah. around them. People wanted to be around Jesus. My list so. more so just became like some fruit that you're looking for. Exactly, exactly. And I, and I don't mean that in the yep. innuendo sense. I think we have time for one more question, David. Whatever you want to. Yeah, uh, I kind of it's kind of great too that kind of uh, Rabbit touched on a little bit earlier about that a marriage only ends in death. Um, Till death do us part. I know the answer to this. Yes, I know the answer to this question is found 
uh, three passages, Romans 7, 1 Corinthians, and Matthew 22. Um, but it talks about, will there be marriage in heaven? <laughs> and Matthew 22, 20 through 30 is like the phrase that I found that just is perfect. That's uh, because it's when Jesus was talking to the Sadducees. Yeah. The I don't know how to pronounce that word. <laughs> I heard Sadducees. your mic cut okay. out and all I heard was sussies and I was like, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> and Jesus talked to the sussies. <laughs> the sussy bakas. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Jesus vent. <laughs> or, I guess more appropriately, um, Judas vented. Uh, wow, that's deep. Wait, but, <laughs> he is the imposter. <laughs> Yeah, that. Uh, but no, it does not seem like that. No one that we will be married in heaven. <laughs> right, because uh, it mentions it goes uh, uh, in the resurrection. Those whose wife uh, in the resurrection, then whose wife will she be of the seven? For they uh, they all had married her. Jesus answered them, "You were mistaken because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven, which we talked about earlier." It's very clear that the law stops, like you said, the law stops at death. Right. Because First Corinthians uh, 7.39, a wife is bound as long as her husband lives, but if her husband is dead, she's free to be married to whoever she wishes, only mm-hmm. in the Lord. Mm. But then it kind of talks about, this was the one that I didn't know anything about, that I was very intrigued when I saw this. Um... And we've read about it because I told you, Grant, uh, I don't know if I mentioned it here, but our church had just covered uh, the entirety of Revelation, uh, which was great. I loved every every second of it. Uh, in 1906, it talks about the... Was it 1906? It might have been 1906. I'm, I think I'm pretty positive it's in 19. It talks about the marriage of the Lamb, uh, this marriage ceremony that's to take place in heaven. Um... Don't know a ton about that. I guess if you guys had any thoughts or any knowledge on that, not off the top I was of my say, head. Never no. ask me about Revelation. I don't know. Is always my answer. <laughs> it's, it's been it's been many years since I've read through Revelation completely. Um, yeah. Let me see what I can find on it. Well, while you're looking for that, I got a joke. My wife always says, you know, I know that there's probably not marriage in heaven. Um, she said, I'm just going to stand as close to you as I can. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I love that. that that's, that's good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I, I think that it's good to find humor in that because that's, that's a, a very deep struggle for a lot of people I know. It's like, oh, we're not going to be like, we're not going to be married in heaven. Like, if that's true, dang, that sucks because it's like, is this just all we got? And it's like, well, yeah, maybe. Um, and I think. It's important to note, uh, and this is this is just where I'm thinking out loud and with the theology that I currently have wisdom on, or I guess understanding, but maybe not even wisdom. Um, but it's like at at the end of our life, like when we get into heaven, theoretically, I see the the sanctification process as being complete, and that we would be conformed to the image of God to want the things of God all the time in heaven it's like i don't know if you know is there sin up there doesn't seem like it so it's like okay if we can't sin you know whatever it just it seems like there's there's so much there when thinking about the sanctification process that we wouldn't even really 
care for our wives and and well i mean there's a short-sightedness of not realizing the joy that we will experience for yeah 100 i would say more than anything else not that we won't even enjoy the people around us yeah. or enjoy our wives all you know that kind of thing but yeah but yeah. it's also like the part in in matthew where jesus says you know you must love me more than um you know, son or daughter, mother, mother and, and father. father. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that goes as far as yeah. to say husband and wife. You know, I mean, it's like you must. Well, I, I, I and mean, what's crazy is he's talking about it in this. Yeah, process. exactly. And so it's like, yeah. which a podcast for another time. But that's a great. That's a great <laughs> right. verse. It's like <laughs> it, it seems to suggest that in heaven you're gonna love God more than anything and everyone anyway. So, you know, it, it's again like you said that short sight. Yeah. Uh, so I guess let's wrap up with this. With I, fa- I found the verse. Uh, it's Revelation 19.7, and it's, Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Now, I interpret that strictly as the bride being the church. Yep. And that is... And we're making ourselves ready by, obviously giving our lives and dedicating our lives to Christ. Yeah. Um, like glorify him while you're on earth. And in some exactly. cases that might be marriage. It might not, you know, and for those who exactly it, the point <laughs> I was about to make yeah, and, and for those who it might not be for go watch the last episode. Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. I don't even have to plug my own podcast. My podcast. <laughs> yep. Um, but <laughs> This has been an amazing experience. Uh, Rabbit, thank you so much for dedicating your time for this. Grant, thanks again for coming back. Um, I extremely look forward to conversing with you guys in later episodes. For sure. Uh, Sounds good. Yeah. uh, Grant or Rabbit, do either one of you want to pray us out? (laughs) I got it. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for the time that Grant and I and David have gotten to spend together. Um, Trying to chop up your word a little bit. Um, try to understand, um, give perspective on uh, your your kingdom's view of uh, marriage and its and its grand importance. Um, Lord, I pray that uh, everyone that will hear this um, will be um, blessed in some sort of way that we can hopefully have spoken to something that would have touched their hearts um, by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we just we love you so much. We pray that you would continue to draw us closer to you. I pray for um, the future podcasts uh, that David's going to have, that you would continue to bless them. I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Did we we forget to mention that marriage is between a man and a woman? (laughs) That's going to be for the next episode. (laughs)